Hey there, welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm super excited to bring you today's episode. I was recently interviewed by my friend Joanna Lilly. She's a therapeutic consultant and host of the Success is Subjective podcast. I thought it would be helpful for me to share our conversation here as well, because I think it provides a lot of insight and background into who I am and why I'm so passionate about what I do. Joanna and I are extremely like-minded when it comes to helping young people transition through adolescence and into adulthood. During our conversation, I share my journey from my high school years all the way up to today, and I provide the reasons why I continue to try to move the needle as it relates to perceptions about college versus alternative paths. As you'll hear during the interview, I believe that it's up to us as parents to get these important conversations going with our teens and with other parents. If we hope to remove the stigmas associated with non-college paths, then we need to start changing that mindset at home. I'd love to hear from you after you listen to this episode. Whether you think or feel differently than I do, I welcome all perspectives and points of view. So please reach out to me via social media or email and let me know what you think. Now let's get started. Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by ParentTrainers.com, presented by Lily Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of finally being on the other side to interview Betsy Jewell herself. Now, Betsy is the host of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. After 20 years in corporate America, Betsy left her career to pursue her passion of helping teens explore paths through and beyond high school. As a parent of two teenagers, Betsy is witnessing firsthand what she calls, in quote, the high school hamster wheel. From the minute kids step foot on a high school campus, they're pressured to do all the things, like raise their GPA, increase their SAT score, join the club or team or activity because it will look good on a college application. Now, she believes that most high schools today don't encourage or empower teens to learn about how they are wired, explore career opportunities, or choose a path that's best for them, other than this drive to just go to college. So through podcast interviews, Betsy has become a thought leader and a much-needed voice for parents of career-confused teens. Her own story is so important for my listeners to hear because her path to corporate America didn't start at the age of 21 with a bachelor's degree in hand. So let's not wait any longer. Here's Betsy. Betsy, thanks for being on the podcast. I am so excited to be here. (laughs) And as I was just saying, I'm so excited to be on this side of the microphone. I'm usually the interviewer and it's fun to be the interviewee for a change. The tables have turned. No, I'm so excited. Let's just dive right in because I'm so eager to hear you as the guest share your journey because you've heard my podcast before, so you know all about this. Why don't you tell our listeners, where did you grow up? And then what was your family's expectation around post-secondary education as well as kind of the larger community's expectations? Yeah, great question. So I grew up in New Jersey a gajillion years ago, um, public school kid. My mom was a teacher slash librarian, and my dad worked for IBM for 35 years. So they were both 
highly educated, you know, advanced degrees, very successful in their careers. I'm the middle of three kids. My sister, firstborn, overachiever, <laughs> pretty, you know, pretty typical. And I was an okay student. I mean, we grew up in kind of a upper middle class neighborhood and everybody was all about college. Like, where's your kid going to college? Not what are they doing after high school, but where are they going to college? And my sister got into lots of schools, ended up attending Rutgers University, did very well, also got her master's degree. And my brother, who's about four years younger than me, went to a small school in Pennsylvania and has his own business, all very successful. And then there was me. So I was a good student because it wasn't that hard for me, but I didn't try very hard. I was more about how much fun can we have and still graduate. People say all the time, you know, what was your rank in high school? And I graduated with 469 kids. I think I graduated like 230 something. Like I was literally smack in the middle. Um, (laughs) I know, right? But back then that wasn't a big deal because everybody went to college and it wasn't super ultra competitive like it is now. But the truth is, I mean, I applied to a number of schools and I got into a couple of them, but I just wasn't feeling it. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And while my parents encouraged me to go, they didn't really force me, but I decided I was going to attend the local community college. So that was my plan after high school. Well, that's how it started anyway. (laughs) That's how it started. I love that. So how was that experience then? Did you stay for a while? What was the transition like? There was a local community college like right in the next town. And everybody called that 13th grade. So if you went there, it was literally just like a continuation of high school. Well, I didn't want to do that. So I went to the community college in like the next couple towns over because it had to feel different, right? Mm -hmm. I think I almost finished a year and I just didn't want to do it. I had, by the way, I had started working part-time from the day I was like 15. First, you know, fast food restaurants, then in the mall, a bunch of like retail stores, and I had gotten the taste of the paycheck. And I really liked to work. I was a people person. I enjoyed being out meeting people and working. So I went to school, but I quit. And then I started working in corporate America. And that was when I really got bit by the work bug because I started to work for a big company. I worked for Colgate Palmolive, Fortune 500 company, you know, and I worked with really smart people who taught me so much on the job. But I knew everyone always said, you know, where did you go to school or where's your degree from? And I always felt that like I wasn't good enough, right? If I didn't have the degree and I couldn't compete and I wasn't Mm -hmm. as smart. So I went back to community college, the one in my town, part-time at night. It took me 10 years to get a two-year degree, but I did it. My jaw Um, just hit the floor. (laughs) I'm on the 10-year plan for a two-year degree. Yeah. But if you're working full-time, that makes sense. Right. Right. And by then I was starting to get promoted. I got promoted to a job in New York City. So I was taking the train in every day. Like my life was going on and school was just sort of a byproduct. Like it wasn't a means to an end for me. It was, I needed to do this to prove to other people that I could do it. Now I look back on it now as so dumb, but over the next 20 years, I literally just flew. Like Moved to California, started working for Disney, Warner Brothers, Nestle USA. Back in 2001, Disney recruited me to Orlando, which is how I ended up here now. And the whole time, I worked with smart people who imparted their wisdom on me. I was in tech too, which 
as we know today, tech doesn't require a four-year degree anymore. But at that time, you know, it was still a big deal, but I, I didn't care because I loved what I was doing. Which is goodness. Like, <laughs> what can we say from this? Um, let's so see. much. <laughs> so much. Well, it's, it's such an important piece, too, in that you're saying, okay, even though this was a couple years ago, right? Mm-hmm. There are some things that have changed drastically, and there are some others that haven't changed at all. Exactly right. In fact, you can make the argument that the need for college has decreased, but the pressure to go to college has increased, which makes no sense, right? Right. I'm in a lot of groups and I circulate around a lot of parents of teens. That's my space. It's what I do now. I am heartbroken on a regular basis about the pressure on these kids and they have to get into the best school and they have to have the highest GPA and they have to do better on the SAT. I'm sorry. No, you don't. And I think people are starting to get sick of hearing me. I have no problem with college. If college is the right path to get you where you're going, you know, you're going to be a surgeon. Yeah. Go to college. You're going to be an attorney. Okay. Go to college, but maybe not for long on that one. But I mean, the point is if your, (laughs) if your career requires it, go. And if you want the experience of college and what that gives you, because it is more than a degree, okay, if you can afford it, but do some research before you go. Don't just show up undecided and go, I'll figure it out when I get there, because chances are it'll take you six years or more to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or you can just be like getting to a point where you're like, screw this, I'm going to work a job so I can make money and be financially independent and kind of grow up. And I'll continue to wrestle with this added pressure of, it's almost a conversation about shame, right? Insert Mm. Renee Brown, because now we're like, well, I am wrestling with this motivation of being lesser than, end quote, which is a complete fallacy, right? Like, this is not just because you don't have a college degree, but you're, you're right in that I'm also saying, look, I went to college right? But I, my business operates because I am dealing with so many young adults that are struggling with being where they are. And the end of the day, the message I share is that college isn't going anywhere, right? right? Like take a break, get, get the help that you need, grow up, take care of yourself, take care of your family. And it sounds like you had super cool experiences that took you all over the U.S., Yeah. If I could go back and do it again, I would not do it differently. I would not. (laughs) I mean, people thought I was nuts. I was 30 years old and I quit my job and packed up my car and drove across country to California. And I did not have a job. I went out there and I started (laughs) temping for Disney. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me because, again, one job spiraled into another, into another, into another. And then I ended up, they moved me to Orlando. I met my husband. I had my kid. Like my whole life kind of came full circle in Florida. And it's not related, but after that long in corporate, I knew I wanted to do something else. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had great jobs working on great brands with smart people, but I never felt like it was my purpose, you know? And I don't Mm. use that word purpose lightly. I don't mean like, I mean, I think we all have lots of purposes, Mm-hmm. But I never felt like my work was really making a difference. You know, I mean, I guess I was helping people take magical vacations. But <laughs> other than that, I just, and as my boys became teenagers, I got an up close look at this, what I call the high school hamster wheel. 
And I just said, no, something's got to be done about this. And the conversations have to be happening. I think that's, for me, the biggest rub is that, and you know this, right? These conversations don't happen until kids unravel. Right. It's not happening before they fall apart. It's happening after. I think that that's a good point, right? I think this is what you're talking about. Again, it goes back to that comment of like so many things have changed and yet so many things have stayed the same. And I so appreciate the work that you're doing, which I feel like is actually a really good segue right now for you to shamelessly plug yourself because we cannot be proactive enough in engaging in this conversation. Like you said, you're a mom of two teenage boys and it's right in your face. And for so many parents, we're wrestling with that same thing, right? It's in your face. And if we consistently only drive down that path of not if you're going to go to school, but where are you going to go to school? We're putting undue pressure on young people that just need an opportunity to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. I've stopped asking kids where they're going to college or if they're, I, my question to high school seniors or juniors is what are your plans after high school? Have you thought about it? What do you think you want to be doing? And it's not a forever decision. It's a what's next, right? And maybe it's a gap year. And I hate the term gap because I feel like it's filled with lots of great things. There's no hole, you know, it shouldn't be a gap, but, (laughs) and what is it? I mean, was it you that called it a bridge year? One of my guests called it a bridge year. And I love that because it literally is a bridge to something else. Maybe it's a bridge to college, but maybe it's a bridge to a job or an internship or something else even super cool. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. So yeah, the work I'm doing is, it started as the podcast. It's the High School Hamster Wheel podcast, as you know, because you've been a guest more than once. (laughs) Check out Joanna on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. (laughs) I should know the episode numbers, but I don't. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I started that because I thought these conversations really need to be happening. And they're happening. They're happening at like higher education. They're happening in business, you know, talking about the future of work and the skills kids are going to need five, 10 years from now, talking about all the things that are happening as you talk about when kids end up in college and failure to launch and unraveling. I mean, all those things are happening, but I think there's just this like stigma of this cultural norm that parents feel like, well, I don't want to be the only one or what are the other parents going to think of me? Or I'm a failure if my kid doesn't go to college. There's that movie on Netflix right now, the college admissions scandal movie based on the true story. They inserted clips of actual footage. Did you see it? Oh yeah. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So the, the kids waiting for their college acceptances hysterical. Like you could not comfort these kids who didn't get into their choice schools. I wanted to cry. Like really? It's just bizarre to me. I've just never really understood it. But again, I I think the conversation needs to be happening. Parents of teens need to be starting these conversations with each other, Mm -hmm. but also with their kids and helping their kids 
do the work, and I hate to call it work, but it is, before they make a choice. And that actually is a good segue into. So after about a year doing the podcast, I started to feel a calling to start helping young people directly. You know, in the podcast, I was always speaking to parents and um, and helping them help their teens and young adults, but I wanted to work directly with those teens and young adults. So I joined forces with another gentleman. Um, we've since uh, stopped partnering together. And I recently launched my own business, hung out my own shingle, as they say. And I now work with young people to help them explore careers and identify paths through and beyond high school. So maybe that includes college, maybe it includes trade school, maybe it includes another path entirely. But throughout all that, I continue with the podcast because again, I really think it's important for parents to connect with each other and to understand they're not alone. More families need to be connected within that support group. And I imagine that you will continue to see more people like, right. It's like one of those things, the pebble in the pond, as soon as somebody hears about it, like it's just going to spread quickly. And once you have one parent that understands that they're not on an Island, right. Alone. Right. Oh my goodness. The systemic societal change that could take place is profound. Yeah. Yeah. I keep saying that. I just feel like if there's enough parents that put their foot down with regard to higher education, like enough is enough already. The ridiculous amount of student loan that either goes unpaid, you know, sends people into, well, you can't even bankrupt student loans, but you're paralyzed by it for the rest of your life. And I mean, so many kids are coming out of school either they've left or they've graduated with so much student loan debt, they can't get a job in their field or they don't want a job in their field. They're underemployed or unemployed. And the ball just keeps rolling. Like it just keeps getting worse. But I think there's accountability across the board. I think there's accountability with higher ed. I think there's accountability with parents for sure. And I also think there's accountability with high schools. And boy, am I going to get some mean looks for this. But I know teachers and administrators and guidance counselors are overwhelmed, but we as a society need to spend more money and resources in high school education, specifically, even younger, helping kids figure out who they are, how they're wired, what they're good at, what they like. The only message they hear whispered in their ear from the day they start high school is take as many AP classes as you can, take as many activities that will look good on a college application and get your GPA up as high as you can. That's what they're told. They're not told, well, what do you enjoy? What are your career aspirations? What do you think you want to do? I can tell you firsthand, my kids don't have that. And every parent I talk to says the same thing. There's like, there's no career exploration support in high schools. Private schools, maybe, but they have the funding for it. So I worked for Denver Public Schools. My title actually was College Access Initiatives Coordinator, which is a real mouthful. But what Denver Public Schools did for a very predominantly racially, ethnically diverse urban student population was say, we want everybody to have access to every type of post-secondary opportunity. So the catchphrase for every senior or the push literally from K through 12 was, what's your plan? Mm. Right. Because the message was, if you want to work in tech, 
and you don't want a college degree, like if you don't want to go to college to work this job, figure out what training you need to take this position. So I will say, oh, I'm going to do like a plug for DPS. Yeah. They're doing or trying to do an amazing job for a very diverse student group. Now I'm with you though, because I also think we're talking about, this is also years in the making of national policy of leave no child behind. Yep. And so now we've shifted away from creative and artistic teaching, inspiring and instilling curiosity to teaching, to get the marks, to pass exams, right? Like funding for schools. And then that means pressure from administrators for teachers to conform, to not go outside of the box, to being creative, to instilling learners. Basically, school has shifted to not being super fun. Right. I'm just going to say that. Like yeah. if I was a teenager right now, I would be so miserable. Yep. And add the layer of COVID on top of that. And it's just been a brutal year. And yeah, part of that is COVID related, but you're right. Part of it is there's no opportunity anymore to take a class they're interested in. Right. I mean, I believe me, I beat my kids over the head with this and I'm like, cause one of them will say, well, I'm going to take AP insert class here. And I'm like, why? Well, I need another AP class. Why? Well, because I need it for college. No, you don't. Like, you don't. And oh, by the way, if you're going to take an AP class, it better be a subject that you like because you're going to be immersed in it. And yeah, <laughs> let me let me just clarify too. Teachers are superheroes. What they do on a daily basis before COVID, not to mention after, I adore them. I respect them. I admire them. This is not a teacher problem. This is a system problem. And kudos to Denver Public Schools. I'm going to be hitting them up for some information, but I know there's pockets where it's being done well, but around here and people I talk to, it's not. Yeah. It just, all of this makes me think of like, you are such an anomaly, mm. right? In, mm -hmm. in your parenting approach where you're mm -hmm. pushing back on your children, right? In their, in their conforming to what teachers, right? What, what their counselors saying, here's the classes you need to take, but without really having questions behind or digging for information. Like you just said, why are you taking that class? What about that class is important to you? Like, do you really feel like you need to take that class? Like I, as your parent, I'm not pressuring you to take every AP class or add another one on the list because you want to go to college. Oh, by the way, do you know what colleges is going to entail? Like, have you even thought about it? What do you even want to study? So really like I admire you personally and professionally. And so I'm obviously smitten that you're a guest on my podcast right now. And I feel like this is a perfect segue to me asking you because of where you are with the work that you're doing and where you are as a parent, you're in it mm -hmm. in all areas. Mm -hmm. So do you see yourself as successful? Wow. That's a big question. That's another thing, right? Success is subjective. Um, I, <laughs> If you had asked me that two years ago before I started this, I think by all accounts, people would have looked at me and said I was successful. And I wouldn't say I was unsuccessful, but I didn't love what I did and I didn't feel like I was making an impact. I feel like I'm more successful now and... <laughs> 
Look, let me be completely transparent. I was making a lot of money before I quit my job and I'm not making anything now. So it is not about the money. (laughs) It is about the fulfillment and the feeling of having impact and using my gifts. As somebody said, it's a big ship to turn, but to hopefully start turning the ship. So, I mean, I guess my answer is yes, but you know, if you put it all down on paper, I'm not sure what most people would say, but frankly, I don't care what most people say. And I think that's almost like your mantra. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like at this point, it's like you have stepped out of what you've known for so long to be in a space to be a change maker. Mm -hmm. That is what you're doing. And so as an outsider, I'm absolutely going to say that I view what you're doing as important and thus that to me equals success. Thank you. That's so kind of you. And oh, by the way, the feeling is so mutual. (laughs) I love what you do. I'm so grateful our paths crossed. This space, while it's not huge, the people in this space are so passionate and committed. It's just, I've met some of the most extraordinary people doing incredible work, yourself included, that I believe change will come. It might not come as fast as we want, but I think we'll see the needle move. We just have to keep at it. Yeah, right. That perseverance and determination. Yeah, and it gets hard. Believe me, it gets hard. Like sometimes people look at me like I have two heads and I keep joking that, you know, my my podcast listeners are already drinking the Kool-Aid. Like these are the people who believe what I believe. Most people who don't agree with me don't engage with me. Some do, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but but most of them don't because they just think I'm full of it. But I don't think I am. I think what you will find is as you continue to do this work is that you are actually leading the charge for the majority. It's just a matter of providing that space and comfort and the stage essentially for them to realize I'm not alone, right? And wow, are there a lot of other parents and wow, are there a lot of other adolescents that are in this exact same position? And there is strength in numbers. Yeah, I've said that. <laughs> yeah, I can't even get my own kids on board. Like, I, <laughs> I can't even get my teenagers. <laughs> Not that my podcast is for them, but they don't listen to it. But even like, I'm trying to talk my 17-year-old into taking a gap year, and he is not having it. I'm like, just do it. He's like, gap years are fine, but I'm not taking one. And then it's the whole why question. Well, I'm going to college. Why? Well, because I want to study X. Why? What do you want to do with it? College is part of the journey. It's not the destination. And I think for a lot of kids, the world that they live in, the, their awareness, college is the end, not end point, but it's the point. But they don't give a thought to what comes after that. So, right, Or what that point is going to feel like once you're there. Right. Because that's, I mean, that's a lot of the work that I deal with. And so I think this is not about me. So I'm just going to say this for your 17 year old son of don't let go of that gap year conversation because it might be a matter of he gets to college and then needs to take time off because he realizes, but with his own volition, this is maybe not what I need to be doing. So maybe I need to circle back to my mom. So I'm going to ask you this question in twofold, right? Typically I ask everybody, and this is because because of your personal experience, but as well as like who you are as a parent. So I think it's important to get the parent perspective. 
Um, so first question is going to be, if you could give a piece of advice to a young person who is struggling right now, and so whether that's the high school senior or whether that's the you know 23-year-old who's in the midst of working a career and taking classes to take classes to prove to somebody else that they are worthy, what piece of advice would you give that person? Oof. I have so many. That's the hard part. Not that I'm so smart. But this is the ocean I swim in. So um, this is there's a lot. But I, I would say probably more than anything else, and it's hard, so hard when you're a teenager or even a young adult to believe in yourself and have confidence. Don't be afraid to take the different path. Just because all your friends are going to college, you don't have to go. Just because your parents want you to go, well, and they may be leaning on you to go, I don't know. But Please think long and hard, not just what what you want to major in and what job you want. What do you want your life to look like? Because it's so much bigger than that degree. So that's my that's my one of many answers to that question. <laughs> but that's so important. Again, it goes back to the why the majority of us are following this path because it's what everybody else is doing, right? Or like I'm generalizing. So if you all of a sudden came came up with, actually I'm not going to college and here's why you better have your chest puffed out or right. a shield ready because you're going to be hammered with a lot of questions of that will come across as shaming. Yeah. Why would you not go to school? I love that you use the word shame. I mean, I don't love that word, but I love it. It's appropriate. Like I'd not really thought about that before now. And I can't believe I didn't. I'm a huge Brene Brown fan, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's even like for parents, the shame. Forget about the kids. Like a mom tells another mom, oh yeah, my kid's not going to college or my kid, God forbid, is going to the community college. You literally see a physical reaction from people. Oh, I'm sorry. My kid's healthy and fine and doing well. Like there's nothing to be sorry about. You should be like, congratulations on making that choice. That's amazing. But we don't do that. We don't celebrate those choices and people don't know what to say and they walk away. No, they, they sit in judgment. Right. right. It's either this, which is the expectation, which is college or everything else. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to pick that apart, too, depending on culturally where you are located and, and what's the academic rigor and like, mm -hmm. you know, just the history of the community, it's going to be frowned upon. Yeah. Right. It's less than which is talk about feeling bad about mm. the decisions that you're making for yourself, which you feel good about. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop talking because I want <laughs> you to continue to talk. So I'm going to ask that same question, but I want you to put it on the parent lens. Mm. What piece of advice would you give to a parent who's got a young adult or soon to be college student who's wrestling with this idea of what is my plan? I think you just have to let them live their life. It is their life, not yours. And you have to park that helicopter and take away the keys because you cannot control what they're going to do. And I mean, Joanna, you and I talked about this. If they're not ready for whatever reason to take that next step, it has to be okay to let them take the time to be ready for whatever reason, academically, emotionally, socially, maybe they have a learning challenge, whatever it is. I use the car analogy all the time because my son just got his license and 
you know, I used to drive him everywhere. I would drive him to sports practice, the doctor's office, pick him up from school. Well, I was in the driver's seat. I made all the decisions. And now our teenagers are in the driver's seat, figuratively and literally. And we're along for the ride. And if they ask us for help to navigate, okay, I'll pull out the map or the GPS in this case. But <laughs> but if they don't ask me for help, they're going to find their way. And maybe they'll take a wrong turn. And maybe they won't get there as quickly. I'm not going to let them go into a ditch, but I'm also not going to calculate their every move. They need to figure it out. It's such a good visual and metaphor to this emerging adult experience, right? It's the individuation of Mm. your son, your children becoming individual adults. That's such important advice. I appreciate you sharing that. So how can people connect with you? Oh boy. So many ways. Uh, Well, of course they can subscribe and listen to the high school hamster wheel podcast available in all podcast players. Um, I sound like a commercial right now. You can can also just go to the website, highschoolhamsterwheel.com, and you'll find all the show notes and episodes there as well. Um, I have a High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page, and you can also learn more about the work that I do with teens and young adults um, and the coaching I offer, and that's at betsyjewelcoaching.com. I'm also on Instagram and LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, that's about it. We'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes, including the podcasts where I am the guest on High School Hamster Wheel. Because I I do believe it ties into, you know, your journey, but a lot of what you shared too. We did kind of go off script with the soapbox, but that's, that's you and me. We often do. (laughs) We often do. I'm so grateful that you carved out time to be a guest on my podcast. And I so appreciate you. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, that was super fun. Joanna is one of my favorite people and it was kind of cool to be on the other side of the microphone this time. I hope this gave you a little bit of insight into who I am and why I do what I do and why I'm so passionate about helping young people find their path to a career that they will love. That wraps it up for today. I'll be back soon with my 100th episode, I can't believe I'm saying that, of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast, so I really hope you'll join me for that. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm super grateful for you. Please take a minute and leave me a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. I welcome your feedback, and I'd love to hear any ideas you have for future episodes. Be sure and check out the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com slash 99, where I will include all links mentioned during this episode. And if you know of a teenager who's unsure of their next step after high school, a college student rethinking their future path, or a young person who just needs some guidance while evaluating their choices, I can help. You can learn more about me and the coaching I offer at BetsyJewelCoaching.com. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, 
toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.